Hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants, and welcome to another edition of Business Casual, our weekly podcast with my co-hosts, Maria Wickvilla and Caroline Diarty edwards You know who they are. I tell you every single week. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, this episode, we're going to talk about the value of an alumni network. You know, a lot of people talk about it, and a lot of people think it has tremendous value to the MBA and that it's a key part of the value proposition of going to a highly selective business school and being part of a group that can encourage and help you throughout your entire career. And I think the topic is very much on my mind now because I just completed the story, interesting story really, about the Harvard Business School class of 2020, which happened to hook up with the class of 1990. The latter class was about to celebrate its 30th reunion and decided that it'd be a great idea to hook up with the latest class because of the pandemic. I mean, they knew that people would probably be needing help and connections and encouragement, given the fact that some MBAs lost their job opportunities. Others that hadn't yet landed a job would have more difficulty finding one. People who are starting companies might have a little more difficulty getting seed money to get their companies off the ground. So the class of 1990 literally reached out. It was Section C. And that's where the real bonds occur at Harvard Business School anyway. There's section mates where, as many of you already know, groups of 90 students each take the entire first year curriculum together. And the deepest bonds that come out of a Harvard Business School relationship is in the sections. And so they had Zoom meetings and one-on-one meetings and small group meetings with people who had similar career interests and who could provide connections and, and advice to young people. And it was a really incredible experience. You've got to read about it in Poets and Quants. But I want to ask Caroline and Maria, Caroline having graduated from NCIAD with her MBA and also being married to someone who happened to graduate with the Stanford MBA. Mm-hmm. And then Maria, who graduated with a Harvard MBA and ended up marrying a Harvard MBA, what is it really like? How does, a, how does an alumni network work? Caroline? Yeah. So as you said, John, initially, you know, you have these very strong re- relationships with the people from your section. And it's a similar situation in INSEAD where you have a large section of 70, 75 students. You're with that group at INSEAD for the first four months of the program. And it's a very intense experience. So you get to know those people incredibly well during that time. And so in most cases, when you graduate those, you know, your closest friends are probably from that group. You, you do get to know other people from the class course very well as well. But those relationships are, are often the ones that, that are, the, are the closest. And so, you know, I, I would say that there are kind of two types of relationships and two benefits that you get from being part of the alumni network. So there are those really close friendships that endure for the rest of your life. And, you know, I'm in touch on pretty much a daily basis with with some of my classmates. And so, you know, those close ties, they may or may not have professional value at some point in your career, but certainly, you know, wonderful personal relationships. And, And in the case of INSEAD, people who are in doing very different things all over the world. So, you know, it's a really fascinating group to be part of. 
so I would call those, you know, the, the close ties that you get from the program. And then, you know, there's this concept of weak ties that are also very beneficial. So, and studies have shown that often it's, you know, it's weak ties that, that generate professional benefits. And, you know, when you're looking for a job, you need to reach out to a wider group of people, not just your close circle. And it's often those weak ties that will generate opportunities and leads for you. Mm. And so when you're part of an alumni network, you have this incredible group of broader group of people who you can, you know, class as these weak ties. So at INSEAD, INSEAD now has about 60,000 alumni around the world. And I, I had the experience of when, when I graduated from INSEAD, I was looking to move to Jakarta in Indonesia. And at that time, I think there were like 13 alumni, INSEAD alumni in Jakarta. And I contacted <laughs> all of them. And first of all, you know, I can remember sitting in the INSEAD library on the Singapore campus and Googling, you know, headhunters in Indonesia and headhunters in Jakarta. And you know what came up? It was tribes who literally hunt for people's heads and, <laughs> and shrink them. <laughs> very, very different type of headhunter. <laughs> Were the NCR alums? <laughs> So uh, I thought, well, this is quite a different market to be looking in. I need to refine my search criteria. Anyway, I contacted all of the INSEAD alumni and everybody responded. Everyone was very warm and welcoming. They all gave me contacts and suggestions and advice and helped open doors. And I ended up getting a great job with the World Bank Group, part of the, part of the International Finance Corporation in Jakarta for a couple of years. So, you know, that's the benefit of the weak ties, I think. You know, the people who maybe you haven't met them before, but you need to reach out to them for a specific purpose. And because you're part of the same network, they're very open to responding. And so that's a huge asset to have. So with INSEAD, as I said, it's a very international network. So if you are moving around internationally, that is a wonderful asset to have. So you said my husband did his MBA at Stanford and a remarkable number of his classmates either stayed in the Bay Area when they graduated or, you know, a number of them went away and have now come back. They saw the light and, you know, <laughs> life just better in the Bay Area. So they have returned. And so, you know, where we're living now, there is no parallel to this Stanford network if you're living in the Bay Area. And so right now, you know, we draw much more on the the Stanford network. And, you know, he's very active in the Stanford network. He's also a venture capitalist. So, you know, he has a lot of classmates and connections and friends from the GSB network who are in his industry. And, you know, that's a great source of introductions, advice and mentoring, and just, you know, to have a have a sounding board sometimes, someone who you really trust, who's part of your network, who you know very well, and, you know, they understand the fundamentals of what you're doing, what you're trying to achieve. So where we are right now in our lives, you know, that Bay Area GSB network is really fantastic. In fact, I think on your adventure, if you haven't listened before, you know that Caroline is traveling all throughout the United States. She's currently in Vermont. And at a previous stop, you actually went to a ranch owned by a Stanford alum. Yes. Yeah. Who's a friend of your husband's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two GSB alumni, in fact. Yeah, that's right. So they're, they're, they're Texas based, but they have a very nice ranch that they escape to in the summers in Montana. 
Now, Maria, <laughs> you married a Harvard MBA. Is that the ultimate <laughs> network? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what your perspective is, but it worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> uh, but seriously, beyond finding a spouse, uh, to add to the points that Caroline made in terms of the network acting like a sounding board. You know, when I was starting my company, I was sort of at a crossroads because some people were pressuring me to try to raise venture capital. And especially my angel investors were pushing me to do this because they had an ulterior motive in terms of greater fool theory uh, to find find someone else who would spend even more money on their investment and it would work out well for them. So I actually had someone in my HBS network who is a venture capitalist and I was able to call him up and have a really blunt conversation. Mm. And he said to me, look, if you want to do this, you probably can, but raising VC is actually not all sunshines and roses. Yes. It comes with serious limitations. <laughs> and so because of his very honest advice, I decided to not go down that path. And so I think one of the overall benefits of going to a school with people who have a history of making things happen and who are highly motivated human beings, it means that they tend to go out into the world and get positions where they have influence and power. So having those people available to you is a really great resource. I also have another example, and it was so funny, John, in your article in Poets and Quants, you have this, this beautiful picture of the beautiful Linda Cohen from the class of 1990, who was one of the main people who spearheaded this alumni initiative with the class of 2020. And I was actually in a woman's alumni network with Linda several years ago yes. when I used to live in a different part of L.A., and it was a group of about, I would say, seven or eight of us. And we were from all different classes. I think maybe the oldest person there was from the class of like 1975 or something, and then right on down to really recent graduates. And so it was great because we didn't know each other at first. Obviously, we were a group of strangers, but we ended up really bonding because we had had this shared experience. And we had all faced the same pressures in the workforce of being a you know, an MBA, a female MBA in the workforce and topics around taking time out to raise a family and what is the impact that has on my career. And so having them also as a sounding board has been really, really valuable for me. And I didn't even meet them until I was 10 years out of school. How do you put a value on an alumni network? Okay, we put a value on everything in business school, mm -hmm. and people do crunch ROI numbers all the time before they go or before they accept an offer. Is there a way to actually put a numerical value on the asset that you earn when you graduate from a business school that is an alumni network, Caroline? Well, I, I don't know how you would do that, but I do think it's the greatest part of the value that you get. And I think it's something that's often underestimated by candidates when they're thinking about where they want to go to business school. They're very focused on that two-year experience or that one-year experience, what they're going to learn, what they're going to gain from that, and then the job that they're going to get when they graduate. But actually, you know, over time, you probably use the knowledge that you gain on the MBA program, you know, mostly during the first five years or so post-MBA. And beyond that, you're most likely to be drawing on your, your professional experience that you've built during that time more than necessarily you know, a case that you studied or a finance class that you attended whilst you were at business school. But the value that you're continuing to leverage for the rest of your life is that alumni network. And it depends. Some people are much more active than others. Some people take a step back and you know they're kind of passive. They'll respond to other people if they're contacted, but they're not super active. Whereas other people get really involved as, as volunteers in the alumni association or as mentors. And I think, you know, the more you put in, the more you get out of these networks. 
So I, you know, I, I think I think that's the greatest part of the value that you get from the MBA. So if if the value is sort of hard to measure, it's intangible. We know it's there. We know it's important. We know it's one of the major reasons why people pursue an MBA. There is this whole other issue of the sort of the economic and political power of a great business school alumni network. Now, we know that at schools like NCAD and Harvard and Stanford, you know, people go on and they become top officers of uh, the biggest companies in the world and medium-sized and small firms, and and they become leaders in nonprofit organizations, and some achieve great political power, and and some are entrepreneurs who basically create new companies and do incredible things. But are there limits to your access to these people? I mean, Maria, can you call up Jamie Dimon tomorrow and say, hey, I'm a Harvard MBA pal of yours. We haven't met, but we're in the network. I'd like to chat with you. (laughs) Yeah, that would go over super well. I mean, I'd call him up and he'd say, let me get on my private jet and (laughs) fly out to LA and take you out to dinner at Nobu. No, of course, it's nothing like that. And you know, it's funny because I work with people all the time who will sometimes get into a school like Tuck and they may not be really sure about it for a variety of reasons, but if they are especially career switchers, I often just say to them, oh my God, you should go to Tuck because Tuck has the most rabid alumni network I have ever seen. I I like to say that they all bleed green up there. <laughs> and actually, when it does come to Tuck, it actually is possible that whoever the Tuck equivalents of, a, of the Jamie Diamonds are in their alumni network, it is possible yeah. to get on that person's lunch schedule or get a coffee with them. So, you know, at a school like Harvard, yeah, sure, we've got, I don't know, 80 some thousand alumni. So you might think like, wow, it's such a huge alumni network. That's so powerful. But I mean, don't fool yourself. It's not like I can call up Sheryl Sandberg and be like, hey, girlfriend, let's go grab a drink after coffee and talk about tech. Like, of course not. And so this is a huge benefit that a tight knit school like Tuck can provide. And that comes directly out of the experience. I mean, just as, you know, your section mates are probably people you could call no matter where they are or where they end up. The larger network maybe if you know you're not gonna be tapped into Jamie Diamond and maybe you won't lean in with Cheryl Sandberg. <laughs> but but you know at, at Dartmouth, for example, where you're pretty much isolated in a rural community, Hanover, New Hampshire, away from any big city, and they have incredible residence halls where everyone pretty much lives together. And you experience that whole first year curriculum as a cohort and the classes are smaller and the entire class size is smaller. And then you have that, that Avis thing, right? You're not first, so you try harder. You're not first in Europe like NCIAD and you're not first in, in, in the U.S. like Harvard. So you might try harder. And I think, you know, one stat that's very telling about that Tuck Network, where as Maria says, people bleed green, is that every year, of course, every school reaches out to its alums and tries to get them to donate money back to the school. Tuck by far has the highest annual participation rate in the business school of any school in the world. It's in excess of 70% of all the living alums give money to the school every single year. I'm just going to say at Harvard, where people, uh, you would presume, have a lot more money, it's more like 24 26% to give you a, an indication of the difference. Which brings to mind another point, which is obviously 
Some schools have better networks, more loyal, more bonded networks than other schools. That is hard to measure. I think, you know, the percent of people who participate in an annual fund drive and still feel connected to the school, that's that's got to be one tangible measurement of the value of an alumni network. The Economist every year, when they survey alums, they literally ask them to evaluate the effectiveness of their alumni network. And let's see if the two of you can guess who is number one. <laughs> you go, Maria. Oh, no. Come on, you're not stumped. <laughs> you mean it's not Tuck? Darn it. No. I th- Look, I disagree with the, the Economist ranking. I think it is Tuck, but... <laughs> Guess who it is? Uh, Stanford. You're right. Yeah. That's right. Right on the button. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the top 10, Stanford, Michigan, Ross, Dartmouth, Tuck, Northwestern, Kellogg, Wharton, University of Washington, Harvard, NCAD, Notre Dame, and Columbia. Mm-hmm. That's the top 10, according to The Economist. Interesting group of schools. You may not agree totally on these lists based on what we know about the industry and the business of business schools, but those are pretty good schools. I mean, right after those are UVA Darden, which you would expect in Charlottesville, UC Berkeley, also small, you'd expect that, UCLA, incredibly friendly students that get on really well with each other. Then comes London, USC, Chicago, IESE, and on and on. Yeah. But I, I think that's a, a good sense of who does a good job because the other part of this is not about who gives money, but it's about the resources that a school expends on behalf of keeping its alumni network tight. Mm. It's about those alumni chapters. Now, many people, as uh, Caroline mentioned, you know, don't get all that involved in it, or they may get involved when they need something and, and need some help from someone. But then there are people who are really incredibly active, like Linda, as you mentioned, uh, in the class of 1990, who organized this effort to reach out to the class of 2020, or the the people who run the different chapters all around the world of the alumni clubs at NCIAD or Harvard and other schools. So there is that level, and then the support that the school actually gives to these different chapters and these uh, alumni functions where they encourage the professors to give many lectures or the dean comes into town and there's a reception for all the alums in that city or that region uh, for people to come and get together. I think that's an important part as well. And it's it's less accessible to you as an outsider to document, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be able to say this school spends this amount of money supporting its alums with lifelong learning that's free, uh, with free lectures from faculty, with monthly visits in different chapters all over the world. A lot of that information is not entirely accessible to an applicant making the decision about where to go if an alumni network is something that they would consider valuable to them. Are there other ways that you two think an applicant can actually measure the likely value of an alumni network to him or her? Well, I think it's useful to talk to alumni and find out how they are involved and talk to them about their experience of the alumni network because everyone has somewhat different experience of the network. So I think you need multiple data points to really understand you know, how people are engaging, what are the opportunities, how close-knit is the network or not. And then it's also useful to look at, given the career path that you have planned and where you want to be, 
are there other people in the network who are doing that? Because that's going to be a fantastic future network for you. So, you know, if you're targeting a particular industry, you can probably get some information from the school on prominent alumni and, and, you know, the sectors that they're in. The schools also publish a lot of data on where the graduates are going and, and the sectors that they're going into and the geographies. And that will give you an indication as well of, you know, where the alumni are very present in particular sectors, in particular locations, because that you know, where people graduate and feed into a specific industry or a specific location, that will develop over time as a network that grows as, as the years go on. That's really true. I th- and I think in many cases with MBA programs, geography is destiny. You know, look, at a Harvard or NCIAT, it's different. I mean, those are global brands. But at many MBA programs, okay, let's say you go to Notre Dame. You know, the vast majority of graduates of the Notre Dame MBA, and they have a great alumni network. It's well known, just like USC, the Trojan Network, Fighting Irish Network. But those networks are more regional and more powerful regionally. So, you know, if you live in and around LA and Southern California, USC is going to have a great network. Uh, in Notre Dame, you, if you live in the Midwest, Chicago, metro area, that's going to have a lot of appeal to you. I think the other thing about a network is that, you know, it's, I think one of you said this, how much you put in is often how much you get out, right? Mm. So if you are a more active member you're going to meet with people more. You're going to know more people who can help and encourage. You're going to help and encourage more people. One pat on the back deserves another pat on the back, I kind of think. Uh, Marie, what do you think? <laughs> Karma. When it works Karma, out, it's great. Karma, that's right. Karma is powerful. Yeah, it doesn't work all the time, but when it does, it can be a beautiful thing. Um, Yeah, so like Caroline said, the more you put in, the more you're going to get out, right? Simply because it's going to extend beyond only the immediate people you already know. It involves a lot of weak ties, the way Caroline said. So the more you get involved in your local or regional club chapter, the more likely you are to meet people. And those people might know people who know people who know people who might be useful. I also wanted to add that being a member of a business school alumni network might make it more easy for someone to feel like they can have freedom in their careers or to maybe even take a few risks, right? So I know a number of women who felt like, okay, I can I can take time out of the workforce if I need to for a few years to raise my children because I can always reach back out to the alumni network to help me. And similarly, I have a colleague in my business who is a Booth alumna. And when she decided to sort of, you know, quit her corporate job and and join me, she's like she lives this like digital nomad life. It's super cool. She moves to different countries every month at, well, hmm. before COVID. It was awesome. But so anyway, so she said to me, you know, being a member of the Booth Network made me feel like I could take a big risk like this because no matter what, if for whatever reason everything were to go south, I would still be able to reach out to that network later on hmm. and find some sort of a job. I would be able to land on my feet. Um, right. So if you do become involved in your alumni network, you are more likely to meet those people who know people who know people who know people, and they can help you out throughout the rest of your career. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one good way to test it is what Caroline suggested. And this should be what every applicant does anyway. You know, before you apply, during your application, and then even after you get accepted or rejected, 
uh, you should be reaching out to alums and and when you when you ask them questions about what the MBA experience there is like and maybe it's the kinds of things that hey what is what did you wish you did that you didn't do and how can you best get yourself ready for a, a really terrific MBA experience when you're listening to the answers to those questions listen to how much enthusiasm or passion is in the voice because I think that people who really love their experience and really believe that it was transformative and meaningful in their life will convey that in their voice. And that, to me, is a telltale sign that there's magic in the network. Anyway, I think we, we talked about a lot of really cool ideas to tap into that value and why it's such an asset. And incidentally, I'm going to just say this because I think it's true. Typically, most alums give more money back to their undergraduate schools than their graduate schools. And that's largely a function of the fact that, you know, an undergraduate experience is four years long. It's more meaningful in a way because, you know, it's an important part of your uh, formative young life. But when it comes to business schools, it's very different. A lot of people give not only give a lot of money back, but the, the alumni network is more valuable to them because it's directly tied to their professional interests. So if you've never experienced that, you've experienced the undergraduate network, it's not nearly as strong, not nearly as valuable as a MBA network can be from a really well-run, efficient, highly selective, ranked business school. You two agree? Absolutely. There we go. I didn't hear anything from Maria yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. There you go. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening again. Maria and Caroline, thank you so much for sharing your own personal experiences with your networks. I wish I had a network. <laughs> oh, you have a great network. Sure. I'm very envious now. I never had an MBA network. You have the Poets and Quants community. That's your network. There you go. There you go. All right. This is John Vernon with Poets and Quants. Thanks for listening to Business Casual. We'll see you next week.